Well, I don't know about you, but that last song uh, kind of got my heart rate up, so I'm a little wired right now. I've also had a lot of coffee, so stand by. Uh, whew, that is good stuff. Happy Easter. Hey, if at any point uh, throughout the morning you need to get up, use the restroom, go get some more coffee or tea, go get a donut, except for you, Hunter, have a seat. Uh, but we, in all honesty, we want you to feel at home here. So please, you're not going to bother us. Uh, move around the room. Enjoy yourself. If, if you need to stand in the back because you're kind of fading off, then please do that as well. We have a ton of kids here, which is super cool. Uh, there are kids everywhere. They're learning about Jesus and the resurrection in the next room. They've got these beautiful uh, little Easter bags that the children's ministry, the base camp has prepared. Uh, so just incredible things that are happening. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, you know, if you pick a Sunday to, to come to church, I don't know uh, all of you, so I don't know how often maybe you come to church. Uh, maybe you come every Sunday. Maybe you come on Christmas Eve or on Easter. It really doesn't matter. I'm just glad you're here. Uh, and for a number of reasons, I'm glad you're here because you, you get to hear the truth. And the Bible says that when the truth is proclaimed, that there's power in that. It changes lives. And so that's different than something else that's just true factually. This is life-changing truth. I'm also glad that you're here because you get to rub shoulders and, and have coffee and tea with other people who are friendly and encouraging and excited to see you. And, and God is doing something uh, in our midst. And so we're just excited that, that you're a part of it, whether someone brought you here as a friend or whether you've been attending here for a really long time. Uh, it is so great uh, to have each and every uh, one of you. So uh, there's a tradition in the, in the church, it goes back forever, uh, where we say he is risen and the church says he is risen indeed. Uh, as, uh, as Alicia reminded us this morning, it's pretty much grammatically incorrect, but nevertheless, uh, as Christians, we're a little weird, so we just do things anyway. So uh, in light of if you're an English teacher in this room, I know we have a math teacher, but if, we, if you're an English teacher, sorry. Uh, so let's just try it. He is risen. Yeah, grammatically incorrect. George, looking great back there, buddy. Man, sharp. Another godfather. Uh, hey, so that phrase, he is risen, he is risen indeed. We have these phrases that stand out to us, right? Uh, if I say, um, give me a break, give me a break, break me. Yeah, like some of you get that, like Kit Kat. How many of you just don't even like Kit Kats, but you know the phrase? Some of you. Okay, how about this one? Uh, look at these. How about time is? Whoa, this isn't a competition. Let others participate. Okay, pause for a second. Oh, no. You see all these people? They want to participate as well. Okay. You are that exceptional kid, but they would like to play as well, okay? All right. Back to your regularly scheduled program. Wow. That one. I came, I saw, I... Now you can participate. Practice makes... How do you guys know all these? Magic school, YouTube? I ask my boys all the time, they'll tell me something, and I expect to, them to like credit their teachers. And I say, how in the world did you learn that? And they go, YouTube. So I feel like we could just send our kids to school and turn on YouTube. Work in a, a recess here and there. 
I told you that last song in coffee, it just is what it is. Knowledge is power. Great minds, it's so good. This is kind of like family feud when they, they put the things up and they're like, oh, cat. And everyone says, as if no one else can read. Everyone has to say it. So phrases are an interesting thing. You know, if you look at our political system or the media outlets, we're constantly trying to find these little pithy statements so that we can control the narrative or, or carefully construct uh, speeches and sound bites and commercials to persuade Americans to vote a simple way. And what's interesting, in a day and age where we literally have every technology available to us to communicate the person present and the spoken word still is the most powerful way to communicate. That's just an amazing feature. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Regardless of how much technology, I think we're in it for the long haul. Throughout history, some of the words spoken have given hope and, and, and been able to provide comfort for those who are grieving and motivated others to dream big. You may recall the words, one giant leap for mankind. Uh, some of you watched that take place. Or you, you, didn't, you weren't here for this one, but you remember parts of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address or, or parts of the preamble from the Declaration of Independence. It was Martin Luther who ignited the Protestant Reformation with his famous declaration, here I stand. And Jonathan Edwards lit the revival fires of the Great Awakening with his sermon, sinners in the hand of an angry God. Or maybe you remember FDR's December 8th, 1941 radio address, a date that will live in infamy. It called for courage to overcome fear and rallied support for America to enter into a world war. Words matter, and we remember their significance, the impact that they have on us. And Easter Sunday is no different. Out of all the words ever spoken in the history of humanity, uh, anywhere in any part of the world, None have echoed through the ages and have changed the course of history so significantly, so broadly, so powerfully than the words spoken by the angel at an empty grave who said, he isn't here, he is risen. He is risen. No single phrase has echoed and changed the lives, changed the course of human history, changed the course of my life. And for many of you, for millions and millions of people all around the world who today, this morning, grab hold of those three precious words because it brings life to them. He isn't here. He has risen. Now, an interesting aspect of early Christianity was that Christians were primarily known by the resurrection, not by the cross, in modern history in the church, that's flipped, and the cross has become the symbol of our faith. Many Christ followers today assume that the cross is the primary focal point of our faith, of, of why we even gather. In, in, so if we were to use a football analogy, they would say that the cross is the touchdown and that the resurrection is the extra point. Are you with me so far? 
Now, certainly the cross is extremely vital to our faith. It's part of why we've gathered here today, for it was the means for which Jesus paid the price for all sin. And sin, if you're new to the Bible, you're new to church, new to kind of Christianity, is just anything that goes in contrast to the heartbeat, to the character of God. And so the cross is the means by which Jesus paid the price for that. But listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's in the second part of the Bible called the New Testament. It says this, if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless. And in fact, your faith is useless. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you, get this, you are still guilty of your sins. That is a powerful alternative to what we get to experience today. We are not guilty of our sins because of Jesus Christ. But if he didn't raise from the dead, we would still be sitting here today judged and condemned based on our iniquities, based on, on the things that we have done. We would be judged on those and we would still be found guilty by the judge. It's important to remember that because that changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. Not just on a Sunday morning, not just when we're at a Bible study, not when we're just at youth group, if you're a student in the room, not just when we're at a life group. It changes me. It changes how I view the world. It changes everything. And we're not alone in that. You see, the early believers in Acts chapter one, they saw themselves as, quote, witness to this resurrection. And that was their leading flag. In Acts chapter four, Peter and John literally created an uproar because they were preaching about Jesus and the resurrection. The Bible says with great power, the apostles testified to the resurrection. And in Acts chapter 17, several years after the resurrection and the crucifixion, while preaching in Athens, Paul preached the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. You see, the resurrection is what we're known by. The resurrection is paramount. And we'll see that as we continue to move forward. 1 Corinthians is an absolute gem. It's a diamond in the scriptures of encouragement and hope. Because Jesus did rise from the dead. He is alive. And he is able to make and to keep his promises that are recorded in this incredible chapter. And what I want to do this morning, very briefly, is I want to highlight what exactly does that mean. If the resurrection is everything, and all I really know is that Jesus was dead and now he's not dead, aside from that fact, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for Amanda? What does that mean for Sarah? What, what does that mean for each and every one of you in this room? And we'll start with the first one. The res resurrection proclaims the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you to hang with me a little bit. This is all going to tie together at the end. But I am going to ask you to broaden your horizons a little bit. Jesus' death on the cross may have accomplished redemption as he paid for the sins of the world, but it did not prove 
the deity of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Two different things. One is redemption for the forgiveness of sin. Someone had to pay. Something, someone had to die. But it did not clarify and proclaim the deity of Jesus. Some view the crucifixion as an honorable sacrifice by a gifted teacher, a really good guy. Someone that really had no reason to die, but the Romans were mean to him. And so therefore he died, and it was kind of a, a useless death by a gifted teacher. Others would point to the cross as a failure for Jesus to demonstrate his power. For he said as he walked this earth, all authority and power has been given to me. Well, obviously not because you died on the cross and there was nothing you could do about it. Think about the thief on the cross who mocked Jesus saying, if you're the Messiah, get us down from here. If you have the power, do something. Wiggle your nose, snap your fingers, call down a legion of angels like, get us off this cross. And critics who view the cross as literally an insignificant death. They would see Jesus as just one other person who rebelled against the Roman Empire and was killed as a consequence. Like many others who had gone before him and like many others who followed him. Nothing special, just another rebel rouser who got what was coming to him. That's what the world would say. But the Bible, the Bible paints a completely different picture than what we just described. You see, the crucifixion was not a tragedy. Sometimes we view that 9-11 was a tragedy. Pearl Harbor was a tragedy. The death of Jesus Christ was not a tragedy. We need to rethink that a little bit. Because it was a triumph as illustrated and declared in the resurrection. In Romans chapter 1 verse 4, the apostle Paul declared that the resurrection proved that Jesus was the son of God. Notice not the cross, but the resurrection proved that Jesus was and is and still is the son of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read that Christ conquers all enemies and destroys all dominion at the hands of the kingdom that he hands over to God the Father. Everything is under the authority of Christ because of the resurrection, because he did it. He said he was going to do it, and he did it. And that's truth. And that's not just truth in general for the church that has gathered this morning all over the world to proclaim to have beautiful flowers and, and Easter bonnets and, and Van Halen head wraps at the drums. We gather because that resurrection is absolute truth and it literally changes everything. The tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. And he's not just, you can clap for that, that's okay. He is alive and, and he is the holy son of God who deserves all glory and honor and praise, and not just on Easter Sunday. He deserves it when you're having a bad week. He deserves it when you're looking for a job. He deserves it when you're trying to raise your kids and things aren't going very well. He deserves it when, when you receive a, a bad uh, uh, description of your health from the doctor. He deserves it. 
He deserves it because he's risen. And that miracle still exists today. That miracle still changes things today. So the resurrection proclaims the deity of Jesus Christ. Second, the resurrection promotes our dignity. And I really want you to to zero in here, especially if if you're watching online, because it can be distracting in your room or your house or if you're in the car, wherever you're watching, you can be distracted. I really want to encourage you to, to listen in to the second point. I want you to look at the pronoun used in verses 20 through 23. It says, those who have fallen asleep and those who belong to him. Well, the question becomes, well, who are the those? Who are those? Well, we don't really know who they are, but we do know what they did. They placed their faith in Christ as the savior of the world, and therefore they belong to Jesus Christ. The those refer to an everyday person like you and me. You know this. There's nothing special about you. You have hard days and you have good days. You have anxiety and then you have moments of peace. You have times where uh, you're blissfully walking through life and things are just falling into place and then you have other times where you are fearful to even take a step because you're gonna fall. That's normal, people. You're normal. I'm normal. Life's hard. And those are the people like you and me. You see, these people that are recorded in the scriptures, they collided with Jesus at an intersection in life and they accepted the gift of eternal life. They collided with the king of kings. They collided with the only one that can bring hope and love and peace and comfort. They are, as John 3.16 says, the whosoevers of the world. That's who we're talking about. And eternal life is not just for the VIPs. It's not just for the apostles. It's not just for the disciples. It's not for the Bible study leaders. Eternal life is for every single person, regardless of anything, any description you want to attach to a human, that eternal life is offered to all people no matter what the past has been. And that's where the dignity comes. All who call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Men, women, young, old, rich, poor, all are welcomed into the family of the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus died for your sin. Sometimes we can make Easter a broad sense and he died for the sins of the world. Yeah, he did but he died for your sin, your sin today. Your sin, I hate to say it, but later on today, tonight, tomorrow, last night, he died, make this personal, friends, he died for your sin. And he cares deeply about you. At the same time of caring about the world, he cares about the individual. He cares about the one. He is alive to declare to you and to the world that you, make this personal, you are a unique creation of God. And he is well pleased with who he has made. 
He didn't mess up. He made you perfect. And you might see your flaws. You might see your struggles. You might see the ugliness that you've attached to you. But not God. He sees the beauty of who you are. He sees the value and the worth of who you are. And he sees it every waking moment and also as you sleep. You are one of those precious souls who are too many to count, who have a special place in the kingdom of God. You see, without Jesus, without his life, without his death, without his resurrection, get this, you are left to dignify you to the world. You are left to defend you. You are left to attach value and worth to you. And we know this. That is not going to last. We might have moments where we prop ourselves up and we give ourselves all the attention and all the value and all the worth and we can walk around in a conceited way of thinking we're all that. But at some point, that is all gonna become crashing down and your opinion of you is gonna fall short because you are gonna recognize your failures. You are gonna recognize your shortcomings, but not God. God dignifies you. God attaches value to you. Otherwise, you're left to dignify yourself, and that's hard. That's an impossible task because no one knows you like you. You're very well aware of who is sitting right here, you. You know your soul, you know your struggles, you know you. But in the resurrection, Jesus defines that. Jesus defends your past and your present and your future. And that's really good news. You know why? Because one of the enemy's greatest tactics is to remind you of your past and to classify you, to tag you, to define you, to characterize you based on your past mistakes. But not Jesus. Jesus is always looking forward. He's always looking forward. Why? Because it's his work that he's doing in the future. He's proud of it. He's excited about that. He's excited you're here today. He's excited that you took a step. You came to hear the truth of the scriptures, to sing these crazy songs with a big lion head on the screen. You came, you saw, you heard, and he's excited about the future. Does he care about your past? Of course he cares about the past, but he does not define you with your past. He dignifies you, even in your struggles. He dignifies you. And nowhere else on this planet can you find that. Nowhere. You can search high and low, and everything will have an expiration date. But not God. He declares your dignity and offers you unshakable hope. That's point number two. And finally, the resurrection protects you against despair. I don't need to convince you of this. 
you know this, over the past couple years, we have lived with despair. We have had to bury loved ones. Uh, we have had to navigate political unrest. We've had to figure out how do I and my family navigate through the, the pandemic. Now we're watching and waiting, completely helpless, watching what's going on in Europe. And we see images, we hear stories, and there's great despair. Still helping families, and some of you might even be in this room, we're still helping folks recover from the fires. And even for those of us who, who did not lose everything, our hearts break in desperation for those who did. And that might be you here this morning. Verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 15 says that without the resurrection, we should be pitied more than all men. Then in verse 32, we read that without the resurrection, we should just eat, drink, and die. Not eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and die. Because why? If there's no resurrection, then, then we should just eat all of the high-fat cheese that we possibly can. And, and, and donuts for every meal. And, and, and deep dish pizza. And ice cream. And, and because if it doesn't matter, then why not? Eat, drink, and die. But it doesn't say that. Because the resurrection happened. It actually did take place. And Jesus is alive. And he does protect us against a life of despair and self-indulgence. That's what he does. The resurrection communicates a higher purpose. It calls us, whether we're walking with God closely or not, it calls us to a higher level. It says that each and every one of us in this room, and for those of you who are watching online, it says that we have a purpose that is well beyond the mundane everyday life. That the Spirit of God is moving and He's changing lives and He's healing and He's doing something in our midst. We understand that we're loved by our Creator and we're reminded that as painful and tragic and confusing that life can be at times and it is. Can we all agree with that? Life can be painful and tragic and confusing. And if we're not careful, it can handicap us. It can literally chain us to those feelings. And that becomes our norm. But we must remember that trials, because of Jesus, are temporary. You may have to carry a cross for a short time. And let's be fair, I don't know what your cross is. I don't know what the struggle is. I don't know what the pain is. I don't know why the tears fall down the cheeks. And I don't know for you, uh, for all of you in this room, I don't know what, what your trials are. I don't know the cross that you carry. But I do know this, Jesus had to carry his cross by himself. You do not. You carry it not only with the Lord Jesus, but you carry this, look around this room. You carry it with people who will love you, who will choose to love you, who will pull you into community, who will give you hope and encouragement, who will give you life. You don't carry that cross alone. You see, despair 
is like a locked door keeping you trapped inside a room. And you cannot get out. And hope, hope remains at an unreachable distance. Something that cannot be obtained. Something that you know of, but you just can't get to it. And that's a reality. But the resurrection, the resurrection walks up and it kicks that door in. It puts a flashbang on that door. It's a battering ram. Whatever it takes to kick down that door that is preventing you from hope, the resurrection makes it possible. The resurrection gives you access to freedom and peace and hope of a better future. And if that's you today, if that kind of describes your world today, if you find yourself uh, just kind of sitting in despair, uh, sitting in struggle, still hurting by life's circumstances, still looking for a solid foundation and, and hope for today and tomorrow? Two things that I want to say to you. Number one, do not let anybody minimize what you're going through. Don't let them look down on that struggle. Even if you can't quite describe it to the loved ones around you, don't let them look down on that. Because your struggle is your struggle. And my heart just breaks for those of you who are, are living in that reality. The second thing is that I have good news for you. There's hope. There's hope right now, right here. There's hope. And there's hope later on this afternoon and this evening, tomorrow morning, there's hope. And I cannot promise that it's gonna be overnight. I cannot promise that it's gonna be instantaneous. But I can promise if you hold on to the robe of Jesus, hope and healing and peace will come. And the enemy will be defeated. He will put up a fight. He will shoot daggers, he will deceive, he will lie, he will try to convince, but he will always, always lose. And Jesus is saying, do you trust me enough to hang in there? Do you trust me enough so that I can be your God? Do you trust me enough to fight on your behalf? Do you trust me? His name is Jesus. And his resurrection protects you from the bondage of despair. It protects you from the bondage of hopelessness. That's what he does. In the midst of 2022, the promise of the miracle still rings true today that it did that Easter morning. He isn't here. He is risen. He isn't here. He's risen. On Good Friday, we spoke about this Greek word, 
to telestai. The words that, this Greek word that Jesus used as he hung on the cross on Good Friday. And he said, it is finished to telestai. That there's nothing more you can add. There's nothing more to be said. There's nothing more to be done. I've done it all for you. It is finished. It is complete and it's perfect. And it's not just perfect for here in this moment. It will be perfect until I come again to raise the living and the dead when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that I am Lord. To tell us die. It's finished. Today, he is risen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one. Three words to three persons. To the end, he is risen. The power and the punishment of sin, our doom, has been broken once and for all. The penalty to Telestai, it's been paid in full. You're good. We have been pardoned. It is finished. And he is risen. So today, as the winds are coming, we know that can't stand the winds. The winds are coming, but I'm gonna invite you today, I want to invite you to think about the winds just a little bit differently today. As the winds blow, creation is crying out. He is risen. Let that be the breath of all creation. Let the mountains rejoice. Let the hillsides bloom their flowers. Let the clouds roll in. Let the wind roar that Jesus is Lord, that he is not in the grave. He is risen. Why are you looking among the dead for the living? He is not here. He is risen. Allow the winds to blow today. And every time you see it, every time you hear it, every time you feel it, let that give you encouragement and hope for what you are going through today does not define you. There is a future for tomorrow. And God is in the midst of it. He is the king. He is the risen king. And I hope you feel that today. Happy Easter to you and to your loved ones, to your friends and your family and your coworkers. If you're a guest that was brought here, I... I I cannot thank you enough for coming. And we're so glad that you're here. The Lord loves you. You may not believe it. You may not feel it. But that does not erase that God is crazy about you. Lean in and hear a soft whisper. Let's pray together as we continue to, to worship this King and to prepare our hearts in response. Father, your scriptures say it is good to praise the Lord. 
both in the mornings and in the evenings. It's good to praise. And I want to pray for my new friends and family that are here that, that, are, that are far from you, that really don't know much about you, that maybe don't even know much about church or the Bible, but they came. And they're sitting right now quietly, maybe just out of respect and reverence. Maybe not even in prayer, but, but just sitting quietly. I want to ask in the name and the power of Jesus, in the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to their hearts. That you would whisper, I love you and I'm here. You don't have to go through this alone. You don't have to navigate another year trying to figure out, I'm here. Holy Spirit, you would speak to the depths of the heart and the mind that the human word and the human touch cannot reach. But if you, Lord Jesus, can reach into the bounds of, of death and defeat it, you can certainly reach into the heart of the living and change it. So make your way. Reveal yourself. And draw Draw us to you as we worship. Draw us to your throne. And may today be a day where life becomes different. Where we absorb the truth. And we allow that to be our guiding place. So under the watchful eye of you, our great Father, our King, Jesus Christ, and our precious Holy Spirit, Godhead three in one, we have gathered under your authority and under your love. And we say, have your way. In the name of Jesus.